Good to see you all here. I'm excited to be here. And it is always an honor to stand before you and uh, welcome you to Crown Point Church. Welcome you who are watching online. You know, one of the things, I was having a conversation with somebody today, and we were just talking about the fact that, you know, uh, church, we're not limited to just being in a building together. That's not the church. Building's not the church. People are the church. And whether you're here part of us or online part of us, we're, to, we're the church. I'm also grateful, you know, there's some things um, that we can look at through this, this time of, of responding to a virus, you know, pandemic, and uh, it changes a lot of things. And I think it's, it's forced a lot of ministries to not be so localized that we can reach out literally around the world. And, and people can share the gospel in ways that they could never share before. And uh, even again this week, I had somebody ask for the link to where they could follow the services and it's somebody who I've known for a long time, but they haven't been in church in a while. And that is a way for them to join us and to be part of the family of God in a way that, that is, uh, you know, they don't necessarily have to be in the building for that to happen. I love that. I, I also am glad that more people are washing their hands, right? Yeah. Amen? <laughs> we hope so. I'm just kidding. Hey, I, I, um, for today... Something I really wanted to talk about, and this is uh, this this passage of scripture, and we'll talk more about it as we get into it. But it's really fascinating. And uh, Paul, the, the apostle Paul, as he wrote, he wrote so much of the Bible, so much of the New Testament. He wrote more actual letters in the New Testament. Now, the uh, Luke, the good doctor who traveled with Paul, actually read, wrote t- more total verses. But Paul himself wrote, wrote more books. One of these books, we're going to look at some passages of Scripture today. And they come out of the, uh, the book of 2 Corinthians to the church that was in Corinth, which today is in Asia Minor. And as we look at that, uh, what I want to encourage you to do, we, we do this thing where we, if you have the YouVersion Bible app, you can easily go on there, go into the, the menu section and look for live events and what will happen is if you're in the area here, all the live events will pop up. And so since you're in our zip code, our church live events will pop up uh, automatically. But if you're out of town, like say you're watching online and you want to look at those notes, all you have to do is put our zip code in, 64064, and uh, you can easily get to those notes. So, But as we look at this, uh, th- this topic, it's really funny because... Um, Paul uses such great examples, and I think like any good communicator, there's certain examples that just stick with you. This one, when I first really delved into this portion of scripture, I remember we were in Mexico, and we had had this experience where um, we, years before, we had gone, and, and you know, a lot of times as Americans, we think we know what the world needs, and that's not always necessarily what they want. And so what had happened was, we had built them... Um, they wanted an outhouse, so as a good American, what, what did we think? We think they needed two, right? And my students were, had a lot of energy, and they were wanting to work, so we dug two. That's what we did. And then afterward, the pastor's like, thank you. Um, what am I supposed to do with that, that hole? You know, and, and so I, you know, we were just like, well, anyway. So we come back later, like the next year, and uh, they used that hole for what it looked like it would be used for, and it was full of trash. And... Um, then the pastor had found another use for it, and I had some students who had a lot of energy, and I didn't have a lot of work, and so I asked him, is there anything, anything we could do? And he said, well, we could clean that out. And I remember looking at that and thinking, yes, we can. So I got a couple guys who I knew would literally serve in anything I asked them to do. God loves that, just saying, you know? There used to be, in leadership, we used to talk about um, uh, leaders. Have you ever heard this, the, the FAT acronym? I know, I know that's not popular today. But it's supposed to be faithful, available, or flexible. You can be flexible. Available and teachable. 
And these were those guys. So we, um, I'm, I was never going to ask somebody to do something I wouldn't do. So we jumped in there and literally ended up, I mean, ladder the whole bit and getting rid of all that trash. There's certain smells that, you, that exist in certain places that don't exist other places. You guys know what I'm talking about? When we started, the guys, we just look at each other like, all right, let's do this. And as we started working in it, it was, it was so weird because eventually we kind of forgot about it. Now, occasionally we'd come to a spot that did smell. I'm just, but what was funny is when we went to break for lunch, we, we climbed out of there and we got over to everybody else. We, we didn't get even 10 feet from them. And they're like, whoa, guys, stop right there. We're like, what? They're like, um, you smell really bad. And like, no, we don't. It smells over there. We're fine. We didn't even know we had gotten it on us. Do you know what I mean? It was just being near it. Maybe you've had that experience before. I had this happen once where I, I might have nudged a skunk. <clears throat> and I felt bad because I thought it was a cat. And then when I get over to it on the side of the road, I realize it was a skunk. And he wasn't hurt that bad. And he didn't spray me. But just being even near him, I just got close enough like, oh, he's fine. And I walked away. And then I remember getting in my car and like, man, maybe I got him worse than I thought. But it was on me just being near him. <laughs> so funny. Maybe, maybe there are smells like that that you, even as I'm telling those stories, you probably thought of different things. Smell is like that. Smell is one of those things that's tied directly, scientists have told us, directly to our memories and depending on where you were and when you encountered certain smells, you don't forget. And when I mention those things, it shoots you right back there. And some smells are just powerful that way. You know, I, I just wrote down a bunch of smells that are powerful. I think about, you know, the, the smell of a wet dog or even the essential oils. You know, there's some people who just, they have a certain smell that maybe it's, and some of you are into that, you know, the thieves or peppermint or whatever it is. And it's just recognizable and right away you know what it is. For me, coffee, every morning I, I set the timer on my coffee pot and it's brewing as I walk downstairs and that aroma just, it just welcomes me, right? Anybody coffee drinker? Fresh cinnamon rolls. It's, it's the cinnamon, I don't know what it is, but man, that smell, it just grips me. When I think about camping, what I think about is, is a campfire and that smell that, and, and when I smell a campfire, even if somebody's like just doing a backyard bonfire, it just shoots me back to fun times where I was camping and I can just envision being around the campfire and telling stories and family. And there's even the smell of gunpowder or a match that's been lit. Or when I think of Christmas, what smells do you think of? Pine, Yeah. Yep, cinnamon, I know, it's, it's just kind of those things that go with it. Gingerbread, I mean, I think of the Christmas tree and cut grass, you know, that smell of cut grass. And I used to have a Jeep, and I would drive around a lot with the top off, and, and there's times where you're driving around, and you could just pull into a neighborhood, and you're just following, like, the guy's cutting lawn, and you're, it's just a smell that you don't forget. Or, you know, that first time that, that rain hits asphalt, and that smell of that first rain on the asphalt, and... I don't know, this, there's the smell of, of uh, sometimes the ozone in the air when it rains and pizza. And if you like Indian food, the smell of curry or barbecue or, or vanilla or, um, you know, the old attic smell or burned rubber. Some of you car guys, it's just something about that, you know, just exciting to smell that smell. Remember one time, this, it's been years, it seems like it's been forever since I've been in a mall, but I was in the mall years ago. And uh, my grandmother was still alive at the time. And I remember walking through the mall, and I smelled, and I 
turned around, and before I could stop myself, I, I did stop. I didn't say grandma, because some lady was wearing her perfume. It was so weird. And I never smelled it anywhere else. It was just my grandma's perfume. It was that, I wrote it down. I mean, you're, it's called Cinnabar by Estee Lauder. Have you guys ever smelled that? And I, I remember turning around, and this lady's just looking at me funny, because I literally was, hey, yeah, you doing? You know, it's like, I don't know you. But that smell made me think it was her. It's, it's crazy, crazy, crazy. It just, I had a car once. Maybe some of you had this. I had a car that was always breaking down. Anybody have a car like that? Now, even now, anytime I smell radiator fluid, I think it's not, I hope it's not me this time. But let me ask you something. When I'm talking about those aromas, do you realize that you carry an aroma? <laughs> Somebody's nudging their neighbor like, yeah, you do. Do you realize that everywhere you go, you give off a smell, an aroma? And it, as a Christian, there's a specific smell that we're supposed to give off all the time. And as I mentioned, when Paul writes this letter to the Corinthians, one of the things characteristic about Paul is he, he would, a lot of times he's making a, a theological argue, or argument of some kind, and then he will take a kind of a rabbit trail. And sometimes it's rabbit trails, and in this case, it lasts a chapter and, and parts of two other chapters. It's that long of a rabbit trail. But I'm glad he did it here, because as he takes this rabbit trail, he gives us a picture of what Christians are supposed to live like. And also in classic Paul fashion, he does this where he, most literary people would say he mixes a lot of metaphors. Or what, I, what we like to say is Paul has a habit of piling on. Because in case you miss his point, he doesn't want you to miss it. So he gives you this example, then this one, and this one, and this one, and this one. And so by the end, you're like, okay, 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 I get it. And that's what this section is. And we're going to race through it because I don't want to spend a lot of time just looking at the actual verses, each one. Because what I want you to do is see the point that he's trying to make. So it starts off in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and it says, But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession. And uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. It's kind of a weird way to say it, right? I could simplify that and just say, you're supposed to smell like Jesus. Everywhere you go, when people smell you, they don't say, Grandma. But they say, Jesus. You smell like Jesus. And just like Paul, in his day, similar to preachers in our day, what he does is he's using an illustration that everybody would have been familiar with. Corinth was, was a province, a, a part of the Roman Empire. Every one of those parts of the empire had been conquered. And when they are conquered, this is just the way Rome did it, and other, other empires did the same thing. What they would do is brag about it, and they would parade they're captives in front. So here's what would happen is when a Roman general would have been on a campaign and as they would come back into Rome, what they would do is they had this whole order of the procession as it would come back into Rome and people would be expecting it and they knew that they were coming. So all along the road, they would start to light these incense pots. And just a little bit historical fact, if you think about this for a minute, they served a couple purposes. Not only did they, did they remind people of those good smells, but you had to cover up all the people who hadn't showered in probably two months of a military campaign. Just saying. Think about that. 
But as they're coming into town, here's how it would work. It would start with the city magistrates, then the state officials, then literally the Roman Senate if they're coming into Rome, then the trumpeters, then the soldiers, and they would be carrying spoils from the conquered land that they had just conquered. Then they would carry pictures and sometimes literally models of the citadels they had destroyed or the ships or whatever they had destroyed. Wouldn't it have been amazing to see these things? But the people of Corinth would have been familiar with this because they would have been that people at one time. Then they would come in with a white bull that would have been sacrificed later. Then they would come in with captive rulers and their leaders and captured, captive generals. And they would have been coming in in chains. And some of them would have been executed later. So as they're walking in, do you think that their attitude coming in might have been different than the officials in front of them? Yeah. They're literally being paraded in front of all these people on their way to death. Then what would come in was, would be um, musicians and then priests. And then it, would be, uh, then it would be finally the conquering general. And he would ride in in a big majestic chariot and his whole family behind him. Then the whole army behind him. Can you imagine this parade? And the whole time, all of this incense is burning. So let's read that verse again. With that picture in your mind, think about this. But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession. Do you really want to be that captive? Yes, you do. Because here's what Paul does. Again, classic storyteller. What he does is he uses a familiar story and then he twists it a little bit. Because each one of us has, have, have, have given ourselves over to him as a willing captive. If you think about this, what did God do for us? He conquered sin in our lives. He conquered sin in our hearts. He conquered the selfishness that's in each and every one of us. So we willingly submit to him and it ends up being a good thing. So for all the people listening to this illustration, they're like, oh, I see what you did there. So that aroma, he goes on to explain... For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. An aroma that brings life. Do you see how that works? Once we come in as his captive, then that aroma of who he is spreads that knowledge of the good news to everybody that we're around. He goes on to say, who is equal to such a task? I like that. Because maybe you, like me, are sitting here and thinking, I don't know that I always smell like Jesus. I want to, but sometimes I get in the way of that. I want to, but sometimes situations that, I've, that have allowed to control my attitude or, or, or get on top of me, where, where we're not supposed to live under the circumstances, we're supposed to live in and above them and let Christ work through us, but sometimes I let that affect me in such a way that I don't know that I always smell that good. And Paul says, who is equal to such a task. We are literally captured by God. And that aroma that's, that we smell like is like him. Here's what I want you to understand. The work in your life isn't you doing the work. You don't try to smell good. The reason you smell good is because you've been near Jesus. The reason you smell good is because you're like him. It's not like you try to smell good. It's not like you're putting the perfume over something smelly. We do that, right? Doesn't always work, but we do it. And in our lives, if all you try to do is put perfume over that smell, it's not really changed. What really changes you is when you're changed from the inside out, then everything changes. The work is really God's. 
You don't smell good as much as God smells good on you. See the difference? We're never going to really smell good on our own. It's only him. We're going to pick up his scent as we live and work with him. And then I love what Paul does here. What he literally does is he shifts the whole paradigm of what people are looking and seeing there. Look, look at what he did. He changed it all from race and us being different races, races to who we're related to. You don't smell good because you're white or black or whatever other color. You don't smell good because you're part of this church or that church. You smell good because you're, you're part of who God is. And it's his smell on you that makes you smell different. It's not the birth where you're born, but it's the rebirth. It's the fact that you have the same smell because you're part of the same family now. No matter where you came from or no matter what socioeconomic class or no matter what part of the world you come from. I think about this as kind of a corny example, and I've probably told it before, but years ago I was with some friends and we were, we were traveling and we were in Europe. We were in Paris. We'd been there a long time, and the French people are great. I'd heard all these stories about how they were snotty and snooty and, and looked down on you, and, and we didn't experience only one time maybe. Most of the time, everybody was wonderful. But there was a point where you just felt like you're in another country. And it just felt funny. I don't know. And we were, I remember, like it was yesterday, we're standing at the Champs-Élysées. I remember we were standing like right here, and there's the big Arc de Triomphe. And then we heard these ladies laughing. And they were Americans. We just knew. It wasn't that they spoke English. They were Americans. And we all turn around like this. And they were, they were African-American ladies. They were there. They were sisters. There was a trip of a lifetime. And they were just there on the corner. And they were laughing. And we all look at them. We're like, we just run over there. It was so weird. I mean, had it ended differently, it could have been really awkward. But anyway, we run over there. And we're like, Americans. And they're like, Americans. And we just hugged right there on the corner because we were Americans. And they're like, we haven't seen Americans for like three, four days. And we're like, we haven't either. Do you see the difference? As people that are smelling like Jesus, what draws us together is that, regardless of the rest of it. You have something in common with people, more in common than than no matter what somebody might look like or, or where they were raised. None of that matters as much as your relationship to him. Something else you need to know about that smell. That aroma wasn't a pleasant smell to the captives, was it? Smelling like Jesus is our goal, but that's not always going to smell good to the world. You have to realize that. There's a certain thing that, you know, maybe you've heard this before, but, um, you know, we have this certain power of, of our expectations. You tend to get what you want or what you expect to get. Uh, some people call it that confirmation bias. And the fact is, there's certain people who just expect certain things and they're going to smell that regardless And when they smell Jesus, it's not always going to be a good thing because they're not wanting to submit to who he is and be part of who he is. (sighs) I think of it and it makes me sad in a way because for some, it's a power that's going to attract and convert them to Christ. For some, it's going to harden and repulse them. And if they don't want to be like Jesus or close to him, you smelling like Jesus pushes them away. I always wonder what's going to happen when we get to the point in a conversation with someone brand new when I mention I'm a pastor, because I get a lot of reactions. Sometimes they're really positive because they'd have a positive reaction with church. Sometimes they could be negative. I I had reactions this weekend where I'm like, well, I've had this theological question, and I'd like to know what you think. You know, I get that. I mean, that's fine. But what I've noticed is a lot of times people get what they expect. 
Jesus literally saying, said he came to bring a sword and it will divide. Don't be surprised. He was persecuted. You're going to be persecuted. But let me ask you this question. How do you smell? What do people think when they're around you? What does your aroma remind them of? Who does your aroma remind them of? And are you equal to such a task? You can't do it on your own. No one can. No one is equal to the task. That's why in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, where it says, For by his grace we are saved through faith, and this not of yourselves, lest anyone should boast. It is the work of God in us that makes you smell good. As you want to be closer to him, the more closer you are to him, and the, the, the closer you are, then, then what will happen is you will smell more like him. Now, Paul, at this point, he continues to use the examples. And what he does is he, he, he talks about this situation that was happening where different people would come. And they, they, in, in, in Paul's day and hundreds of years even before this, what happened is there was, there was a professional speaker class. They would go around and they would entertain people by being public speakers. Not a lot different today than maybe our comedians or, or maybe even news people to some degree where you're a professional communicator. And what had happened is some of that had crept into the church where people saw, oh, I have an opportunity to make some money here so I can go to these different Christian groups and just be a speaker. And then what they would do is when they would go to these groups, a lot of times they would take with them kind of like a resume or a letter of introduction to say, here's who I am and this is why you should let me speak here. So Paul says, we're not like those guys who are coming just to make money. So what he does is he says in verse 17, unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those who are sent from God. And then going to uh, the next chapter, he says, wait a minute, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? And then he, he twists this again and he says, you are our recommendation letters. So the first example he says is aroma. Now he twists it and he says, you are our recommendation letters. He says, he goes, it's written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Not only are you supposed to smell good, but you're supposed to read well. When people read you, because everywhere you go, you're preaching a sermon with your life, and they read you as if you're a living letter. And Paul says, you are our living letter. The way you live speaks about who Jesus is and the ministry that we have had. I, I thought this was funny. I read this somewhere where God doesn't tweet or post on Facebook or Instagram. He posts on people. You are his post. That is a living post. And everywhere you walk, you are trumpeting who he is. Everywhere you walk, people are reading about Jesus in the way you act and the way you respond to every little thing. Whether it's to crisis, whether it's to sorrow or disappointment or even joy and good things. Your response to all those things, not only is it supposed to smell good, the aroma, but then you need to be a living letter. He goes on, he says, such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He's piling on again. He says, he has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. You are not only supposed to smell good, you're supposed to be a living letter. And now you are ministers of a new covenant of life. 
I don't know. I don't know. For me, I look at that sometimes and I think, God, I am not worthy. You know what he says? Nope, you're not. But my son is. And my son in you is what is the key. That's what matters. His son in me makes all the difference in the world. He changed everything. When he talks about the new covenant, we've, we've talked about it before. He takes it from, a, from the law that kills to the, to the spirit which gives life. A couple examples just pop in my head. I think about Matthew 5, 28, where Jesus said, you've heard it said not to lust after a woman, but I say to you, even if you lust in your heart, it is adultery. Or how about where James says, he says that, that temptation isn't something that's outside of us, it's within us. And it's when we are drawn and lured away by the desires of our own heart, and that is where we sin. Your heart has to be changed. Not only do you need to smell good, you need to be a letter that people can read, you need to be a minister of this new covenant. Then he, he adds on another layer. <laughs> he says, whenever anyone who turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory. We are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Now, most of us were like, what is he talking about? I get the reflection part. I mean, we've all looked at our reflection in a mirror or, or maybe seen how the light reflects, the sunlight reflects off the, off the water. We've seen that happen. What he's talking about here is you had to kind of be in the know. And if you, if you know the scriptures really well, when, when Moses went onto the Mount Sinai to get the actual Ten Commandments from God himself, he was close enough to God that when he came down the mountain, he reflected the glory of God and it freaked everybody out. The, the scriptures say that Paul glowed. And because he glowed so much, imagine that. I know a lot of times we say, oh, you've got a glow about you. Are you expecting? Or, or maybe, you know, you've been in the sun. Oh, I can tell you've been in the sun. You, you're kind of bright, pink or something or whatever, right? Well, what, Paul, what, what Moses did is he wore a veil over his face so it didn't freak anybody out. But here's what's sad. After a while, that glory faded. And as it faded, Moses kept the veil on because he didn't want people to realize that the glory was fading. What, what Paul is doing here is he's, he's piling on. He's got the aroma right? Then the letter, we're going to be the living letter. Then you need to be a minister. Now he says, you need to reflect God's glory. And the more you're with him, the more you're going to reflect him. It, it, it really does all fit together and it all makes sense. I know as I read this, I think I can't do it on my own, but, but the more time I can spend with him, the more I will look like him. The more my knowledge will be his knowledge, the more my attitudes will be his attitudes, the more my character will be his. And what am I reflecting? I'm reflecting God's glory. The idea that the good news is you can have freedom from sin and guilt and freedom from shame. Freedom from hopelessness. He will give you hope. He will do all those things. And then in verse 4, the last one. He says, we have these treasures in jars of clay. <laughs> I look at that and I think, thank you, Paul. Here's why. Because a jar of clay was the most simple, common instrument of all. Because I know as I read those things, I look at it and I think, I know some really good spiritual people. And I feel like many times I don't measure up to that. And what he's saying is, is God doesn't expect this to just be done by or just be lived out by and is not just for the good, perfect people. It's the clay pot, the, the one that is the common, that everybody can be that. You might be wondering, how do I do that? Well, the more time you spend with him, the more you will reflect him. That's how it worked. 
when Moses was on the mountain and he was around God and came down, he reflected him. But he hadn't been on the mountain for a long time, so the reflection started to fade. The more time you spend with him, the more you will be like him. How do you do that? You spend time with him. One of my favorite verses in the book of Acts, especially in the first part of the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, talking about the growth of the church, there's this incredible story where P- uh, Peter, and, Peter and John are on their way into the temple. There's this beggar there. He, he look, he's looking to them for money. They turn to him. Peter says to him, I don't have any money, but what I have I can give you. Stand up and walk. And he's healed in that moment. And then what the religious rulers do is they bring him in front of the, the Jewish religious council and all this stuff. And then in a moment, they say this. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men like you and me, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. That's what makes the difference. The power is from God, and he trusts us with this. So again, let me ask you the question. How do you smell? How do you smell today? Pastor Nick, if you could join me. I'm going to ask you even a more pointed question. For, for those of you here, those of you at home, just shut your eyes for a minute. I'm going to ask you a question. How did you smell this morning? I'm not talking about you brushing your teeth. Just talking about how you interacted with maybe your family in the car or as you were getting ready or maybe, maybe as you stopped off to grab some coffee or something. Do, do, would people know, would your own family see Jesus in you? As they look at those things, as they look at the, the aroma and as they read the letter that's written on your heart and as, as they see you reflecting the glory of God, is that what they see? Is every word that comes out of your mouth perfect? Mine isn't. But I want it to be. How does Jesus smell? There's a humble strength about him. There's a a confident servant there. There's a caring savior. There's there's someone who, 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 who speaks right and wrong, but does it in love. There's a truth spoken in love. What does it look like? What does it look like at work where you're, around people who, who may know who you are, but do they know who you serve? Do you reflect his glory at every moment of every day? I'm not talking about being a doormat or pushover Christian. What I'm talking about is somebody who reflects Christ in all those things. How do we as a church smell? How does the neighborhood, how does the community smell us? Or what do they see on us? What do they read on us? Are we kind to fellow Christians? Are we kind to the wounded? Are we... Are we servants? How do we treat people who we don't even know? I really believe this, that we live in a world today, they need to see, the world today needs to see the church at its best. They need to see real Christianity. As I've been saying these things today, maybe a few things have been occurring to you. Maybe on one one side, maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart that there's things you need to change. And if that's true, that's good. Each and every one of us should be that honest with God and ourselves to open ourselves up and say, God, what do I need to change? Because I know there's things, areas where I've fallen short and I want to do better. On the other hand, some of you with your eyes closed still, maybe you're thinking out there and you're thinking, I need to smell better to other people. And what that means is, There are people who need to know why you look the way you do. And as they're reading Christ on you, you need to tell them about him. 
During this time of all that's going on in the world, it's so easy to get caught up in all the, the politics and of uh, all the disagreements over mass, no mass. I mean, it's so easy to get caught in that. Do not miss the opportunity to spread the gospel in a time where people desperately need to know Jesus. <laughs> desperately need to know him. And finally, you might be in here or maybe you're watching online and you don't know Jesus at all. And as I've been talking about this, there's been a, a, a learning, a yearning in your heart for you to know who he is. If you want to know him, we want you to know him. And we want to be there for you. You can easily respond to us. If you're online, it's, it's easy. You could, you could email the church at, at prayer at crownpointchurch.com. If you're here today, I want to pray with you. With your eyes closed and your heads bowed, and you can pray along with us you know, online, of course, too. But if you're here today and you would like to change everything and make a commitment to Jesus in a new way, I just want you to raise your hand real quickly and we'll pray together. Anybody at all? I do see that hand. I appreciate that honesty. If you are here today and you realize you need to make some changes, that things need to smell different, I want you to pray along with me as we pray. I'm going to lead in prayer, and I just want you to join me as I pray. You can, you just agree with me, maybe repeat in your own heart and mind what I'm praying. Father God, we come before you today as people who want to live different. We want to be better. We want to be more like your son. We want to, we want to smell like him. We want people to see him and read him in our lives. God, you have trusted us as ministers of this covenant in, in just plain, ordinary clay jars. We thank you, God, that you can make that difference in us. God, we are sorry for the things that we have done that are wrong, and we want you to come in and make us new. We want to spend so much time with you that that you change everything about us and that people can see the difference. We ask that you'd make those changes in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pastor Jeremy.